0: Today's program was brought to you by Bonnie Plants, Bonnieplants.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, broadcasting to you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. On today's show, we are going to talk through two pieces of breaking food news. And after the break, we are going to have on my good friend Casey Barber, who's going to talk about her new book, Pierogi Love. And we are going to have a taste test. I don't know if I can make it that far. The the smell (laughs) of butter has filled the studio, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Joining me in the studio is Anne Hogan, my producer. Hi, Anne. Hello. How's it going? I, I want to jump right in on this breaking news out of yeah. Denmark. I'm so excited. Jack, do you have a little. Here we go. We're setting the to. Oh, that's much more grim breaking than I it going to be. That's the breaking news sound. <laughs> oh, that's the breaking news sound. Sorry. I, guess. I
0: love it. <laughs> Everyone is dying. The world is turning gray. No, sorry. <laughs> Oh, what happened? Man, there? that's like ominous. So I've been
1: listening to a lot of Ratatouille <laughs> and I what I thought we were going to hear was the theme song because this news has to do with Fre- the French paradox, yeah. which is how is it that French people can eat Oh, it- <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. So the French paradox is how is it that French people drink as much wine as they want throughout the day, eat cheese, eat rich stews and they are thin and they live forever. Right? So there's another piece of the puzzle has fallen into place, which okay. is research out of uh, Denmark. Our House University has linked cheese consumption, not other dairy, just okay. cheese, okay. to lower levels of cholesterol and a lower risk of heart attack. Hallelujah. Led I'll by a it. woman, a doctor named, ha- I think it's a woman, Hana, H-A-N-N-E, I would sure. say that's a woman, right? I bet that. Hannah Bertram, researcher. her researchers compared the diet of 15 healthy men whose diets contained either cheese or milk and then others who ate a controlled diet with butter but no other dairy products. Okay? So we have two groups. Okay. People eating cheese, people not eating cheese. They found that those who consumed the cheese on a regular basis had higher levels of a compound called butyrate. B-U-T-Y-R-A-T-E, food scientists, Chef Emily Peter, <laughs> Chef Emily at sharpenhot.com. Please you can send me phonetic spellings of these things. Butyrate, a compound produced by your gut bacteria when you eat cheese. Huh. Higher levels of this chemical were linked to a reduction in cholesterol. It is a straight line between more butyrate created by eating more cheese equals lower cholesterol. Therefore, all of the things that go along with high cholesterol go down as well. Writing in the report, Mrs. Bertram said, the study suggests that the cheese could be an important piece of the French paradox puzzle. Take that, Dr. Lin. There you go. Listeners will recall, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure, and I stand by (laughs) my high blood pressure or high cholesterol, rather, blood cholesterol and food cholesterol are not
0: related. Now backed up by science. There you go, science it's cold hard facts but i don't think that they mean like uh velvita no crap. and I, mean th- I think they mean real like romant. the
1: cheese that the french would be eating right. which is would not be the american cheese <laughs> slices that i hold so dear <laughs> <laughs> which um we will get to after yeah. the break now i think they mean real cheese that fall into the seven cheese categories that are the way cheese was that our great-grandparents and the french great-grandparents were eating Not wrapped in plastic and all that sort of stuff. Got it.
0: All right. I'm in. So I've got my own research to start.
1: (laughs) In other news, there was a piece of um, New York City Department of Health information that passed through the business section of the New York Times. And as food people, we heard about it. And there's been a little bit of a controversy because starting in August, the health department is going to require... Fish be frozen before it's served raw, and we have on the line with us Phil Gilmore, who is the owner of Momo Sushi Shack, who is an expert in serving raw fish. Hello, Phil.
2: Hi. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
2: I'm. Uh, I'm in. Uh, I'm actually in a rental car. I was. I almost was going to do this interview in a bathroom. I was at this. i at this barbecue <laughs> called Price Smokehouse in Rocky Mount, uh, Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and uh, driving down to Miami. Uh,
1: all right, we have the, the lines a little crackly, so I'm going to get the question out and then we can see, we'll see if we can hear you. But what I got from that is that you are on a road trip to Miami and you have pulled over at a barbecue place and you almost were in the bathroom, but instead are in the rental car, which I appreciate.
3: Exactly <laughs> Excellent. Although we would
1: have taken it from the bathroom too you know. And if you hadn't told us it would be like Julia Child's Kitchen No one would have known Hamilton, So the new, this new Stipulation is that fish will be Required to be frozen For a, a, an amount of time Based on how cold restaurants can get it From 15 hours to one week depending on the Temperature used Tell me what your thoughts are on this Phil Well
2: you, you know I, I've spoken about this can you hear me
1: Yes go ahead we're good
2: Okay um, basically, I, I don't think it's going to affect much as far as sushi goes because, uh, you know, a large majority of, uh, of sushi fish is previously frozen anyways. You know, um, what, it, what it is, you know, what it's about is how it's handled as soon as it's caught. If, if, you, if, you, if you freeze a fish and you freeze it very slowly, it affects the texture of the fish. But if you have a super freezer, freeze it right away, it doesn't really affect the quality of fish. So I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, it's... It, you're ever wondering, like, when you go to the, the supermarket and you shoot it at, you know, $5 a pound, as soon it at $20 a pound, and how it's frozen. So if, if it's frozen properly, it doesn't affect the quality of the
1: and my understanding is that the meaning of the word sushi-grade, when you see sushi-grade tuna or sushi-grade salmon, are meaningless like when you see something labeled in the supermarket as all-natural. There's no law that requires, you know, that some, there's some standards of what makes something sushi-grade, but my understanding is that it actually refers to fish that has been frozen to a particular temperature to destroy any um, potential pathogens. Well,
2: well, 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 you know, definitely with the salmon, it, it, it has to do with the pathogens. And then with the tuna... Specifically, it's not like they 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 don't they don't go 15 miles off of the coast. Next one should come back. They go out like you know two weeks or a month or something, and so they freeze them on the boat. You know, so all uh, tuna, all and all salmon frozen in.
1: And the so the other thing that I thought was interesting is that shellfish is exempt. And if you've ever worked in a restaurant, when you take in a shipment or a delivery of oysters or clams, it comes with a tag that the restaurant has to save for three months so that if someone should get sick, you have the tag so that you can go back to the body of water and test it to see if there was some sort of contamination. And and exactly. shellfish is where most people, if they get a foodborne pathogen from seafood, it's coming from shellfish and they're exempt anyway. It's so, I mean, it's unheard of that people get sick from eating fish fish, not as opposed to shellfish.
2: Fin-fish. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, um, you know, and also too, you know, um, uh, with, with shellfish specifically, it's it's up to the individual person because you know sometimes you might actually open up a bad oyster or clam and you can smell it or you know taste it or see it, and then also too, people people might keep it for one day extra. So a lot of times, a lot of times, it's not even the body of water. I think it's the irresponsibility of the actual purveyors that are serving that you know serve the shellfish in the beginning, anyways, you know.
1: Right. And I, if I remember correctly, and I, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but my understanding was that the first iteration of this new law, what really caused the stir was that restaurants were going to be required to invest in super deep freezers. And it seems like that provision has been taken out of the law, which has led the New York Restaurant Association to even them, even they are on board like, OK, yeah, this is a good thing.
2: I actually do not know the answer to that question.
1: I'm almost certain that that's the case. I should, I will cross-check that. And the other question I have is: Do you have any insight into how this is going to be enforced or monitored? And second question to that is: Does it just generate um, a willingness to be deceitful?
2: Uh, no, <laughs> no to the second part. But, okay, uh, the first part is: I think that there, uh, you know, there's going to have to be labeling and. Uh, you know, temperature readings, and I think that, you know, people probably won't take it seriously in the beginning, but then they'll get, you know, fines and then they'll have to start doing it anyways. I feel you like know, this. I... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, a lot of people, you know, this is not a pop- popular sentiment amongst restaurant owners, but, you know, a lot of these laws, I don't really hate the health department because a lot of these laws are in place for a reason, and there's 30,000 restaurants in New York City. And you know, it sucks it sucks when I have to pay a health department fine, it sucks that they, you know, they kinda of lean on you and the But also, man, I don't want I don't want some idiots fucking not knowing what they're doing and, and getting people sick either. Exactly. You know, I think these laws I, I think some of these laws it sounds like it's you know, it sounds like it's, you know, bad, but I it's kinda of, for the most part it's good, man. You know, like they you know, restaurants should be taxed.
1: I, com- know, yeah, I
2: completely if agree. Check on them, if you don't check on them, people will get sick and people can get away with anything they want. So I think, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, it sucks for the good guys, but it's, you know, you have to keep the bad guys in check, too, you know?
1: I, yep, I completely agree with you. And, you know, when you're talking about something as sensitive or, you know, sh- shelf unstable as seafood, like, you want somebody making sure that's, that that stuff is being served to you as fresh as possible, even if that means it's been frozen. Like, I just, I, I'm... I don't see where the controversy came from, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that you and I are on the same page.
2: You know, I'm, it's a little-known fact, but uh, Jack Inslee actually gets sick when he doesn't eat my sushi shack. <laughs>
4: <laughs> that's a true story. Yeah,
2: it's actually, it's actually He actually gets really, really sick when he doesn't eat a Momo Sushi Shack, so I think that's kind of a fun thing.
1: Luckily, Momo Momo's Sushi Shack is right around the corner from Heritage Radio Network. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, and then uh, we're gonna we're gonna be doing a pop up in the, the Mondrian Hotel in South Beach uh, starting this weekend. So if anybody's down in Miami, come say hi this weekend to us.
1: Amazing, Phil! Thank you so much for taking time out of your road trip. Have a great trip and have a great pop up. Right. That sounds so fun.
2: All right, thank you so much. Nice to see you guys or or talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> nice, see- nice, to see you in my mind's eye.
1: <laughs> see you on the radio. All right. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye. Okay, so we're on the same page. Phil and I are on the same page. There you go. Um, Yeah, I mean, I want to hate on the, you know, it's like hating on the cops. Like, if you get a speeding ticket, it's because you were speeding. You know, Mm -hmm. like, do I speed? Sure. But if I get busted, I'm not going to hate the cop because I was speeding. You know, like I want -hmm. want everybody to be safe and everybody to play by the rules. I will say I will give one health inspection story that would be the flip side, just in case anyone's screaming at their radio about how onerous and horrible the health department can be. Mm -hmm. In my very first um, position on the line at the green table right out of culinary school, Everyone had gone home. It was the eve of Thanksgiving. It was 10 p.m. I was literally turning the lights off. (gasps) We were making kimchi at room temperature, percolating away, doing its fermenting thing. And in the back door walks a health inspector. I was completely alone. So I text the chef, who is like, "Don't don't say anything. And then he comes sprinting back. She was there to... Um, make sure we were in compliance with the trans fat laws and we got written up for every wheel of imported cheese that was in the walk-in because it didn't have a trans fat free sticker on it and mary cleaver had to like go through the process of fighting that being like oh wow by definition a wheel of parmesan is trans fat free and it was this exercise in futility that right They're not a glowing example of making the world entirely a better place. But when it comes to keeping people safe, I'm all... I mean,
0: how can you... How can you oppose that? Right. But then when it like gets set up with those like arbitrary like rules for rule's sake that don't make any sense, it's so hard to like keep a level head about that. Right. That's where we come in. <laughs> <laughs> We're going
1: to take a break. And when we come back, we will be joined by my friend Casey Barber, an author of Pierogi Love, her new book. And we are going to eat samples Yay. on the air.
0: <laughs> I was in so- You're listening to Odetta Hartman on the break. We'll be right back.
2: To a better garden? Absolutely. It's the new free app, Homegrown with Bonnie Plants. Note, track, and photograph your garden's progress. Personalize your weather and reminders. Get variety info, grow guides, hands free dictation, and more. The Homegrown with Bonnie Plants app, the sharpest tool in your garden. Download it free on the App Store.
1: Welcome back to Sharp and Hot. I am your host, Chef Emily Peterson, joining you live from Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. We are joined in the studio by our favorite kind of guest, the one that brings samples. <laughs> my friend Casey Barber. Hi Casey. Hi.
3: Welcome back to Sharp and Hot. Thank you. I'm happy to be in studio with Last you. Last
1: time you were here, you were talking about classic snacks made from scratch, but you were on the phone.
3: Yes, I didn't bring you any snacks and I'm so sorry. You
1: are here to atone
3: for your sins. And <laughs> we how? have come very far
1: and how. So tell us, first of all, tell me tell me about pierogies. Why pierogies and and I apologize for misspelling pierogi. I think I've spelled it every way possible since
3: I was writing all of our stuff. Well, technically, you sort of can spell it every way possible. (laughs) I was just busting chops as I do, because even the Polish spelling, pierogi, or the Polish word is one word for the dumpling, whereas a veroniki is Ukrainian, or pelmeni or pierogi, or I've heard piroshki. Piroshki, yeah. although technically those may be the baked kind, kind of like mm. the puffy, bready ones. Oh, There's like okay. There's, They're in Romania. They're in Russia. They are in Croatia. They are, some variation of this dumpling is all over Eastern Europe, and it goes by like many names. It's like the Ben Linus with all the passports. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who still Oh, my
1: God, lost. deep cut. I love it.
0: <laughs>
3: yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. So if someone, it, someone listening has never heard of a pierogi, what
3: are we talking about in the most general sense? It is a dumpling in the absolute most general sense. If you're thinking of some sort of filling with dough wrapped around it, this is just another word for how the Eastern Europeans do dumplings. Because they can be filled with meat, potatoes, cheese of sweet or savory varieties. Fruit... And I've just sort of expanded upon <laughs> that topic in weird and hopefully wonderful ways in the book. So Anne and I last week on the show, we were talking about how
1: pierogies play a part in our like childhood sensory memories. Right. Like one of my earliest memories of going to my maternal grandmother's house where she would make pierogies, these huge batches, and then fry them in salt pork and then send us home with them. And I remember my father would just be like, can I have another one? Can I just, yeah, one, you know, let me take one more bag for the." Road and like that, that smell of like fried dough and salt pork Mm. is burned into my Mm. culinary sense memory. Yes,
3: and especially because there's usually onions frying in butter too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the smell of an onion in butter is one of the greatest scents in the whole universe and and
0: tell your story again oh yeah so my um, my godmother is Polish and so pierogies for me are Christmas Um, so her and her daughter would make pierogies and we're you know generally I'd say like mostly like an Irish and Italian um, and there's a couple of Germans in there too but uh, that Christmas we always had like Polish tradition and we had like pierogies we did like like we did like the whole like everything and it was just oh man pierogies are a special place in my heart so Thank you, Casey.
3: (laughs) Well, so I am Italian-German. Okay. So I grew up with lots of those food traditions, but I also grew up around Pittsburgh, where the pierogi is king, basically. So you don't have to actually be Polish in Pittsburgh to appreciate that type of food culture, just as a lot of Polish people really appreciate a nice crock pot full of like sausage and peppers and you would, <laughs> right, or right. as we did throw the Kobasi in with the sauerkraut for the holidays too. Like that's my holiday smell is Kobasi simmering in sauerkraut forever. Wow. So nice. it's really beautiful that you can grow up and experience all these things no matter what your family is cooking on Sundays, you're still going to the festivals and eating Halushki and Holopki and pierogi and all those great things. I have a deep abiding love for kielbasa, but I didn't bring any of that
1: today, <laughs> unfortunately. But you made a special pierogi just for Sharp and Hot listeners. The recipe is up on sharpandhot.com. <laughs> it is the Jersey <laughs> Breakfast Pierogi, and I'm so excited. Tell us what's in it.
3: It is. It is... Um, it has the... Non-cholesterol approved (laughs) cheese in it because being being a good takeoff of the Taylor ham as I call it because I live in northern New Jersey egg and cheese sandwich you have to have American cheese on that thing there is no way you're <laughs> gonna put on a really nice hunk of cheddar
1: yeah. and, and Casey and so I
3: share
0: it. a love of American yes. cheese an unapologetic so, love of American so it is cheese so does my girl so does Amanda she's like I can't, I can't get her off this stuff yeah, it's no. American cheese all the way for her loves it So I had, I know I had promised you the scrapple pierogi in our
3: (laughs) conversations prior to this, but then I heard that Anne was horrified and I was like, you know what? Emily and I are both Jersey transplants. I'm from PA. She's from Long Island. We're both happily settled with our Jersey guys in New Jersey. And we both (laughs) love a good breakfast sandwich with American cheese on it. What could be more perfect to share today? So there's Taylor ham. There's egg. There's American cheese. You put it all inside a protein. Right, I'm going wow. Here we go. I'm going to get some sound here. And that is, you're actually, you're that's are the, the vegan mint
1: one. That's oh, the that's pea one. and mint. Okay, wait. I'm going just... to pass this to Ann. This is the vegetarian pea and mint I because Ann would die before eating a piece of Taylor <laughs> ham with American cheese on it, right?
0: But I do have to say that. Whereas my cats were like, what are you making? They're <laughs> like, hey, what is that? <laughs> oh <my." laughs> that's so good. Um, It was funny though you were talking about kielbasa before, and that's actually one of the things I kind of miss. That was like a big thing, Mm -hmm. and we were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my sister
3: and I Mm. were vegetarians for a really Mm -hmm. long time growing up. And after college, well, my story of not becoming vegetarian is one for the books, too.
4: (laughs) But
3: um, we were all at one of our local music fests in Johnstown and my sister's like, I'm going to go get some food. And she comes back with the most enormous Kobasi sausage sandwich (laughs) in one of those little boats. And my dad's like, oh, when you fall
0: off the wagon, you fall hard.
3: (laughs) That is perfect.
0: You can't mm. resist kobasi. We, yeah, we were at the Bohemian Beer Hall the other day um, in Astoria, and my friend came back to the table with kobasi, and I was like, hmm, yeah, man, I miss that. No bites, but. And anytime I you're them. ready to come back, we have <laughs> a know, seat at, for you at the table. There is.
3: Anytime. I will Thank bring you. the processed meat to the table. <laughs> Anytime you So the first
1: time, when we first, first moved to New Jersey, and I have to say Mark is a New Yorker. His mom is Jersey, but if he listens to this and he hears that I did not correct you, I will never hear Sorry, the end Mark. of that. <laughs> um, but we went to the bagel store and mm-hmm. I ordered a ham, egg, and cheese, expecting ham as I knew it from my you know, other zip code upbringing. And I got Taylor ham and my first experience, it was like the orange juice when you're expecting milk thing. I was like, what have they done to this ham? And then I, it took me like, I had to talk to people about this experience and
3: they were like, no dummy. It's a totally different thing. Right. And if, Perhaps maybe if you were like down near Wildwood, you would have seen it as pork roll, and it would not have been so confusing. Right, but the fact that and I didn't even look at the menu. I this. just said
1: like I just said, can I have a ham? And she right. is expecting boiled ham or Virginia ham, right. it, you know something from of the boar's head variety. Like we, i would never heard of Taylor <laughs> ham in what my life. What is
0: Taylor ham? I don't know.
3: Well, it is a processed meat product that was created in the colonial era okay. near Trenton by a man named John Taylor. And it is mm-hmm. basically kind of a sausage bologna-like force meat gotcha. that holds up well over time. Okay. Because, it's freaking you know, delicious. And
0: it's got a history. So On my
3: refrigeration, yeah. continental armies all over the place in New Jersey. you got to feed those guys. Is it
0: like comparable to... Like a spam? Kind yes. Of a mm-hmm. thing? Okay. I would,
3: okay. I'm not saying that to be derogatory at all. Right? <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it's, hey, I've eaten Hawaiian and enjoyed spam. I am, I'm equal <laughs> opportunity.
1: So I didn't realize that it went all the way back to the colonial era. I yeah. figured it was like the same time as the hot dog. Was you know? It was uh, it may
3: have been the 1800s? Again, like I wrote up the history of it, and now of course I've not. Brushed up on my Taylor Ham history. Very the link recently. is on
1: sharpenhot.com to yes. your Taylor oh, Ham I history. I love that it has a
3: history. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. read it after
1: the episode for sure.
3: It is a New Jersey product through and through, <laughs> which is why we never got it in New York. Exactly.
1: So it's absolutely it's delicious. It's filling. It's heartwarming. It's like buttery and
3: I mean it, it's everything that you want. So and you can eat six of them at a pop, as I did while I was <laughs> testing the recipe. Exactly. So Speaking when you were testing this six, book,
1: yeah, did you get sick of?
3: Oh, God, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, so tell me yeah. about the
1: process. I was privy to some of the recipe testing.
3: You were. You. <laughs> I gave you a bale of hay and some buffalo chicken <laughs> pierogies <laughs> one
1: day. <laughs> I love my life. I, I, I have the best friends. I the
3: pierogi fairy for a long time last summer because, I a I wanted to make sure. Once the dough was pretty much down pat, it was a question of how you are going to fill it six ways to Sunday. And... So I would just be testing fillings half the time, but I also wanted to make sure that the portions were right so you could fill two dozen at a time for each dough recipe. So it was a little assembly line in my kitchen all the time. And I would just backpack all my extras because I couldn't bring myself to throw them away. And I would bring them to all my friends in the city and just do like pierogi (laughs) drop-offs here and there. (laughs) So awesome. The
1: day that I came to your house, I remember you opened the freezer and you were like, what flavor do you want? And you just had like... Just bags I was I, like I have no I idea. I still
3: do. I'm like down to my last hundred or something oh at this my God. point. But That's amazing. now I've refilled it with a few other ones. The pea and mint ones are not in the book either. They were a special pierogi recipe for those who pre ordered.
0: They're oh. delicious. But they,
3: I love them, and
0: I feel like I'm gonna have to share that somewhere else. So sometime. good. And yeah, that's just, really good. That was
3: my spring recipe.
0: Listeners couldn't see, but while you guys were talking, you saw I almost fell over myself <laughs> trying to get another one. My hair got stuck in the microphone. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're oh, well they're I'm not responsible so for delicious. pierogi so injuries delicious. at all. So we have the
1: two savory, and you've also brought us a sweet one. I
3: did. I brought you guys some Nutella pierogies, which come with a cocoa dough. And if I had thought. Even more, I would have brought some, not homemade because I don't have any of this right now, but I would have brought some chocolate syrup, probably the Fox's You Bet that's in oh, my fridge. Oh man, I love that stuff. It. I, um, listeners,
1: well know my documented history of my son's nut allergies, and one of the things I'm saddest for him is that he will never know Nutella.
3: And that's, I brought the Nutella so you could have some nuts. Thank you. This homemade Nutella so inside, so you can have a little bit without the guilt. Because, as you know, my husband is also allergic to all tree nuts.
1: Oh, I did not so know I that. So I can keep them
3: in the house, and I can cook with them, but everything just needs... Like the wheels of Parmesan cheese. Everything just needs to be clearly labeled. Mm-hmm. Don't eat this hazelnuts all over the place kind of thing. Oh, my so God. I enjoy the homemade Nutella. Oh my it just God. goes in its own
0: jar in the fridge.
1: <laughs> I feel, I could, I could cry. I'm <laughs> thankful for you bringing these. Oh, my God. I'm.
0: Chew break. Oh I know, my God, it's so good.
1: It's a huge lifestyle change. And then when you get to dip your toe back
3: in again, it's like, oh, oh, mm. It won't be forever. I'm sorry. I, I guess if you fall off the wagon, you fall hard with <laughs> Nutella. How too. many is
1: it appropriate to eat in a sitting? <laughs>
3: um, I can usually do six in a sitting. I think Dan can, likes to do eight as a full meal mm-hmm. in a sitting. Mm-hmm. If the pretzel pierogies are around, all bets are off. Oh my god! What
0: the hell is the pretzel pierogi? It's the
3: only <laughs> it is probably the most non-traditional pierogi in the okay. book because. This dough, it's such an easy dough for people who are afraid of making their own dough. This is an awesome one to start with because there's no yeast. You're not like doing finicky rise times or anything. You are literally kneading it together and then cutting it out into rounds. But it doesn't bake well. It just gets really, really tough, except. For pretzels, you have to bake them because you have to dip them into the baking soda brown sugar solution to give it that pretty, pretty pretzel coating, and then you have to bake it. So it was a really tough recipe to nail, but they also taste amazing at room temperature, which I am personally not a fan of a cold pierogi except in clutch situations, right. and I'm saying this as someone who will eat a cold leftover anything for breakfast at <laughs> any time. But the pretzel pierogies are just like pop. Pop, pop, and
1: was there and, a, like uh, a moment in, when you were in your kitchen where you were like, the skies parted,
3: and you're like, oh, I know what to do. Yes, it was. It was one of those like eureka moments for because I had tried them. They were the first recipe I started developing after I officially got the contract signed. I'd been developing some of the other ones just offhand while we were going through the, the negotiations process. But And it was just failure off the bat. The cheese was oozing out. I wanted to do a beer cheese. Everything was too watery. There was, like, cheese oil all over my soap pad. I was like, oh, <laughs> I will not let you get the best of me. So I tried and tried again, and a lot of those did get thrown away because they were just, like, little deflated beach balls of not cheese Aww. inside. And then finally I got that exact right ratio, which is actually – Weirdly close to cheese it dough is what it ended up like Ah, A call back to classic yeah. snacks came in handy. My favorite classic snacks recipe too. And the pretzel pierogi came to be and oh it was good the book is called pierogi love. It is available now, right
1: yes. on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. Um, Casey Barber writes good food stories and is a contributor to the kitchen, the kitchen and today.com. Today. Thank you so much for making the trek out to Brooklyn and for bringing us snacks. I really appreciate My it. Pleasure. Uh, the recipe for the Jersey breakfast pierogies is on sharpenhot.com and and it will be on heritage Radio on the sharp and hot show page. Um, And before we go, Anne, I wanted to tell you that I got an email from a listener who goes by the name Matrix Orion. Okay, that was the return address. I thought maybe a business. Hello, Matrix. Um, Regarding a story that I have up on Edible Long Island about charcoal grills versus gas grills, and I said, you know, like it's that time of year. What do you prefer? And I say both. They're kind of two different things. It's like having a food processor or a blender. They are Mm -hmm. they do different things. They, the upshot is they both cook stuff. The, the gas grill is convenient and fast and easy to kind of click and it's on and right. then you click and turn it off. Charcoal, you have to um, let it cook, you know, let it get ready and it's messy and you have to deal with it and it's heavy. Um one of the things that I said at the end of the article was that if you're going to use when you're going to use charcoal, use real hardwood lump charcoal, not briquettes, because briquettes are only partially wood at all. That's a lot of wood pulp and wax and other things um, that are fine. They're not going to kill you, but hardwood lump charcoal gives you that like real wood smoky flavor that right. you're looking for. Okay. And Matrix emailed to say that I had left out a crucial detail. Hmm. Just a hint, if you use actual lump cowboy charcoal in your grill, you will have almost no ashes to dispose of. This is just a tip from a Long Island guy who spent a lot of time in Texas. All right. And he's absolutely right. So thank you, Matrix, for writing in. My email address is ChefEmily at SharpAndHot.com. If you want to get in touch on Twitter, I am at ChefEmilyP. And you can use the hashtag SharpAndHot on Instagram, and I will send you a collection A book from my collection. And now we have a copy of Pierogi Love on the stack that's going to go out to a listener. Um, And let's see. We are thankful to Odetta Hartman for letting us use her music during the break. Our engineer, Jack Inslee. Our producer, Ann Hogan. Thank you for being wonderful. (laughs) Our sponsor today was Bonnie Plants. Thank you to Nice Peter, Pete Shukoff for the theme song and Mike Marwit for the Hot logo. And most importantly, thank you so much to all of the listeners who are out there making this show happen every day by virtue of the fact that you click and listen. If you are listening on iTunes, go ahead and leave us a review. It's been a while since we got a new one. I would love to see a fresh review up there and tell your friends, hey, there's this fun podcast about food and cooking um and let's see uh jack engineer jack are we going to go out with a clip of another show today we are you want to set it up for us
0: should have it there It's the uh, It's actually a clip oh, of it just, is right Justin Warner Who's from Do or Dine Which is in my home Neighborhood of bed I just is... went to Do or Dine Last night So good right So fun Did you have the foie gras donut I, I did not have the foie oh, gras right. donut Oh right <laughs> you, you did not You did not Okay But it was well, great Well this clip is actually About the law of peanut butter And jelly as he calls it Which is his kind of explanation For why the foie gras donut works It's a great clip It's from All in the Industry By Sherry Bayer And uh, that show is live Every week wednesdays at 4 p.m and uh let's just cut to the clip yeah
1: thank you so much for listening everybody until next week keep playing with fire and knives
4: we determined that people want to know why and how of of food not so much just instruction recipes They, they want to get something and learn something
0: on episode 61 of all in the industry justin warner joins host sherry bear to explain the secret principles behind his offbeat culinary creations
4: and so they said, you know, foie gras donut, for example. I mean, why on earth did you make that? I said, well, I mean, it's a long story, but um, I, I knew it would go together. I mean, it's kind of like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And they're like, wait a minute, a peanut butter? You're telling me that a foie gras donut is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I said, yeah. I mean, so is pizza. They're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, it's about fruit and fat and having some canvas to spread it on. I mean, the foie gras is fat, peanut butter is fat, cheese is fat. Uh, tomatoes of fruit, jellies of fruit, PB&J, you know, foie gras donut, it, it's all there. Pizza, pizza. So I determined that the law of peanut butter and jelly is something that is true and something that exists and it is real. And if you have uh, fruit, fat, canvas, you'll be fine. Yeah, so like another law is uh, the coffee, cream and sugar law, which is kind of the idea if you have something bitter, uh, add something creamy, add something sweet. Uh, Or you could just say fatty and sweet. So, I mean, if you think about coffee uh, or raw chocolate, you know, cacao is bitter as all get out. Um, It's one of the bitterest things that there is. Uh, But the second you add sugar and milk to it, it becomes milk chocolate. So that's kind of, you know, just a simple example. But, you know, if you look at, like, bitter greens, most of the time people add some sort of oily, fatty component and something that's subtly sweet to it. I mean, that's what makes great greens.
0: To hear more from
4: Justin Warner
0: and special guest photographer Daniel Krieger, check out episode 61 of All in the Industry with Sherry Bayer. For more great shows on the hospitality industry, you can listen to all the episodes of All in the Industry available on heritageradionetwork.org. This piece was brought to you by Fairway Market. Like no other market, fairwaymarket.com.